There we go. Second week of our podcast, third episode. What do you feel? I'm feeling good, mate. I'm, I just want to let the listeners know, just give them a little bit of a warning as we start. If you've got an Iron Man tattoo and you're, li- and you're tuning in for the first time to hear some serious training advice, you've probably tuned into the wrong podcast and you should go back out and find uh, Taryn and become a trainiac because that'll probably be more <laughs> well, beneficial for you. Speaking of the better triathlon podcast, that girl from Ironman Brazil that was running around in a thong, I've checked her Instagram page last week because I was honestly wondering what her pace was on the run. So I've messaged her. I knew I you'd slip into to, our DMs. Of course, I did. <laughs> I've reached out to her and I, I asked her uh, what her pace was on the run. She didn't reply, but then I went to followers and she is following Triathlon Terran as the only Ironman triathlete in uh, the scene. So he's obviously doing something wrong with his, with his uh, podcast and we're doing something wrong. He's got the gift of the gab. I'm sure now yeah. you've slipped into her DMs though. You'll definitely uh, <laughs> get, get some info. Anyway, how, uh, how was the week, mate? It was all right. I've got some, got uh, uh, one or two highs, but a lot of lows. Uh, a couple of big ones. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go on in. So my... What I thought would have been the biggest low was on Wednesday when I got T-boned by a car. It was about 30 miles an hour. It shot for a junction. Boom, straight into the bike, cracked the carbon on my time trial bike. I was really lucky. It just missed my legs. Otherwise, uh, the way it shattered that carbon, I dread to think what it would have done to me. And I thought, God, that's that's a pretty big low. That's not, Nothing can top this. But You're- I found something that topped it on Saturday. My training partner, can I show a name and shame him? Show a name and shame him. Name and shame, mate. Josh Holman. He was. Uh, he... Is he the one known from YouTube? Yeah, that's it. The Josh Holman. He's done like pizza eating, <laughs> lasagna eating competitions. God knows what, like for eight thousand calorie lasagna or something like that. He normally comes and does the track session, but he rejected me and turned down joining the track session to go shopping with his mother-in-law. Now I thought getting T-boned by a bike was bad, but he would rather go shopping in Norwich all day with his really? mother-in-law than do a I track session. I bet his mum is buying him clothes then. His, yeah, not his mum, his mother-in-law, mate, his girlfriend's mum. Oh wow, his girlfriend's <laughs> mum, like not even his own mum. <laughs> that was I got, I got, I got basically uh, stood up for that. That can you get? Can you get any lower than that? In uh, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Can you can you top it up with a high then? Um. Yeah, um, my kitchen's pretty much done, and I got a new. I brought a new car. Really? Did did I inspire you? You did inspire me. Yeah, Tom was talking about cars. Oh, you got to make the most of cars. Like a nice petrol one because uh, they're all going to go out soon, and everyone's going to be on electric, and it's going to be really boring. And um, <laughs> it got it's been playing in my head for a while, and I was thinking of a car anyway, and he's inspired me. All right. Well, uh, congrats on the new car, and uh, hopefully uh, some safe miles and some fast miles. Some Not too miles. fast, though, because I've got nine points and I can't lose another three, otherwise I'll be getting the bus to races instead of driving. Yeah, there's a crazy system that you've got in the UK, haven't you? Like, you need to pay a percentage of your salary as a fine, don't you? If you... Yeah, you do, and you get points as well. I've currently got nine points. And points do not win prizes on this system, I'm afraid. Really? Like, yeah, like, like I'm get going three in for tens. Three more points, mate, <laughs> and I'll be getting the I'll be getting the Uber Ubers to to places. All right. Well. My week, um, actually all my highs and lows have got to do with the main subject of this week, because this week we're going to talk about the one percenters, we're going to talk about change, and specifically, what have we learned this year that we're going to change for next year in order to get that one percent in your case, or in my case, that extra 30, 40 percent. <laughs> first, uh, <laughs> first, I'll uh, go on in with a uh, massive low for me. 
I'm swimming at the swim club with the kids. And um, last How week, old are they? Had, Give us a bit of like, uh, they're, they're fill between, us in a bit more. Like, are they 16 years old? Do you mean 18 nah, year old kids? Or are we talking six? Six. Six. He's a six year old. Six. Bloody hell. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> The youngest ones are, are around uh, 11, 10, 11. And the thing was, there was a guy today and he, I mean, obviously I look like 16, so I kind of mold into the pack a little bit. But then one of the boys, he caught me last week because he was like, oh, you're probably the only one that can drink legally alcohol. I was like, oh, <laughs> damn, they uh, probably saw it because of all my chest hair. Well, anyway, let's go on to the massive low. We you know what you could do, Tom, with them, though? You could tell them to go easy on you for uh, in the training sessions and you'll go and get them uh, some Chekhov they, vodka or something from the supermarket. True, if but, they, uh... but they, don't, they don't get it. For example, we had to do uh, 200 legs very easy last week. And then we, we did it. I said to the boys, easy, boys. The coach said easy. And then they were like, what do you mean? We're doing easy. But I mean, it's, it's a joke. We, we kind of don't really understand each other. But the massive low was we had to do this, uh, these max effort, but in a relay form. So the coach would divide everybody into t- teams of four persons. And I got like this girl, she's 12 years old and she uh, got divided in our team and she is not really good. I mean, she's all right, but not really good. And I'm just way too competitive. So in myself, I was like, damn it, God, no, we've got her. <laughs> but I didn't tell the others, but I was just really frustrated. And of course, we lost. And later on, we had to do it again. And we caught her again. But then I started laughing to myself. I said, Tom, you're 14 years older or 16 years older than this girl. Come on, this is pathetic. And I started even la- uh, laughing louder because everybody's there to learn how to swim. And I was just getting passively aggressive because a 12-year-old girl was divided in my team. How low is that? I mean, you <laughs> can't get any lower than that. And um, we had to do the relay swim. We lost again. But that maybe is a high. I went up to her and I said, well, good effort. I mean, we'll get after it. And in a couple of months, maybe we'll get the others. The so bottom you got a line, new swimming friend. Yeah. <laughs> I think the bottom line of this is I don't care if you put me up against a 30-year-old or a 12-year-old girl. I just want to fucking annihilate everybody if it's a race. <laughs> a race is a race. <laughs> no, uh, everybody's there uh, to learn how to swim. And the other uh, yeah, low was that I can basically not level with the people in the pool. Like literally, they have totally different conversations about Halloween party, drinking beers for the first time and missing school tests and blah, blah, blah. But the high is that I'm actually swimming really consistent and I'm starting to like swimming. So um, that's good going. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. It's the boat bodes well for next year, mate. Tom, Tom I know, is like, coming I know. for it. Like every time I get out of the water, you get this kind of mental impact of you're 12 minutes behind the lead pack. <laughs> can you imagine? How <laughs> Don't worry, I've been, I can imagine it because I've been there and had it all before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, let's get on with the races from uh, last weekend, shall we? Yeah, yeah. So um, Oceanside, uh, Ben Canute smashed it, didn't he? And uh, I was hoping that Ben wouldn't go too quick because uh, me and him have got a bit of rivalry at the moment on the PTO rankings. Like I'm currently in number seventh and he's in eighth. And if he, le- obviously I'm not racing anymore now until for the end of this year. So I'm kind of a sitting duck really. Like they've all, it's, uh, I'm there for them to uh, knock me down. And if he knocks me down a ranking, I lose an extra $5,000. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed fair. he just won't get them points <laughs> because um yeah but now nah, he had a great race Um i think to be honest that was probably one of his best halves uh for a few years because uh 
he was up there obviously in the swim bike he got in towards right at the front and then uh, just run away from everyone like pretty solid and what kind of um, what you see as well that Mickey Tagold he did phenomenal uh, he had a phenomenal race at Worlds he came in fourth last weekend he came in second um, all these Danish guys are on fire it's where did been, he come uh, second then last week where was it he came second in Oceanside oh you mean Oceanside I thought you meant another race he came second in as well uh, yeah, that was the week before that. He came in third. That was in Las Vegas or something. Or what was it? What kind of race? It was, uh, oh no, the LA trail. Oh, the LA triathlon. Yeah, so yeah. first he did and the ben LA, was LA second, triathlon. Wasn't he? Exactly. So they did, did a back-to-back race. But them Danish guys, they're flying. Like Ditlev, Beckegaard, then this guy. And what I think I is, raced, I've been... I raced these guys in Denmark before. I actually had raced him in a 70.3 and we had a bit of a battle on the run. This is years ago. I can't even remember how long ago it was now uh, when he was kind of dabbling on a few 70.3s, but still racing short distance. But those Danish guys, I remember it was like the European 70.3 champs were there. It was a challenge race and uh, all the GB age groupers love it. You know, they all go to them and they just got their asses kicked by the Danish on the bikes. Like everyone who's from Denmark can ride a bike like bloody quick. They're all beasts. They're like Germans, mate. They just know, love it. But- do you know what their tactic is? So go hard, just fucking kill no, themselves, no. don't they? <laughs> this is all. This has all been planned from the government years and years ago. They've uh, started the company called Lego, and everybody internationally, when they're young, starts playing with Lego. Whereas they themselves in Denmark, they kind of building all their sports careers, like four or five years old, start start swimming. I've been wasting my whole youth playing with Lego while while they were developing themselves in the pool, on the bike, and on the run. That's why I'm so far back, so far back, and they're like smashing it. <laughs> Lego, bloody yeah. hell. I never played with Lego. <laughs> no. Well, that's probably why, why I've got such a, de- a deficit. Yeah. Don't you think? Um, yeah. And then uh, in the women's races, Paula Finley, back from injury, smashed it. First place, two-minute two lead uh, over Emma Pallon. I thought that was going to be a bit closer than that. But then I did hear on a podcast um, with Emma and uh, the Macro X one that she said that she was pretty tired at the, after the LA triathlon. Like She said she managed to win it, but she was... Uh, feeling a bit knackered and this was going to be her last last race of the year and she was kind of just crossing her fingers that she felt good. So uh, I think from how she normally races, she would like to have been a bit faster on the bike because she's been mm-hmm. going really well. So um, I think she's uh, glad she got through it and she'll be happy with second probably with how she would have felt because I know if she was on a good day, it would have been a bit closer than that. Same for, I guess, Jeannie Metzler. She is a phenomenal runner, isn't she? Normally, I think uh, she did in Galveston previous this year, a 115 run. That was incredible. Uh, we were there and you could Michael, see her. She, know, she outrun she Michael Weiss. She I, know, Michael, I saw it and I thought, oh, God, I hope she didn't outrun me. <laughs> she must be happy with, or she mustn't be happy with that 122. I think. Um, no, she she'll be annoyed with that. That's well off the pace exactly. for her. And her partner, Justin Metzler, he's a YouTube star, isn't he? We'll talk about him a bit later, the battle of the uh, influencers coming up. That is this weekend, indeed. Let's go over to uh, a little bit of race. Um, It's the the, the, the Ironman Florida this weekend, the full distance. Let's start off with the female field because originally it was a female race. And let's see how that one unfolds. We got a pretty big list of... The females. I've actually got a story uh, if you want to hear it before we go into right, it. It's a bit ahead. of a it's a bit of a Joe Skipper story time. So have, have we got time? Shall I go into it about this race? Uh, go on in. So back in 2013, I did my first Ironman race, like Ironman branded race, and it was Ironman UK. And I think I finished third place back then. So this is going back, yeah, 2013. So eight years, and then 
at the end of the year, I thought I'm going to go to Ironman Florida and I want to get a fast time and beat my PB. I think my personal best was 8.21 maybe at that time or 8.19, something like that around that, uh, from Challenge Barcelona, which was my first uh, full distance race. And that was in the September of 2012. So went to Florida and um, that was my the most competitive field I'd raced against. And um, I was in the pack. Andrew Starkovich swam off the flat front. Uh, and well, I think he was with a few people, but as soon as he got on the bike, he pissed off like he used to back then. And, uh, I was in a group that managed to like, we kind of all came together and, uh, after 120 kilometers, I got, I got stung for a drafting penalty. Like they pinged me for five minutes. So I had to stand there anyway, ended up finishing the end of the bike, like kind of kept it together. The other guys were about five minutes ahead of me because of the penalty, but I finished that race and I think eight hours, 17, eight hours, 19. I could see Andrew Starkovich was miles ahead on the run because it's an out and back course that for two laps. So you can see where everyone is and how everyone's looking like when, when you um, go the opposite way to them. And I remember finishing that race. I was about 13th, maybe 10th or 13th, something like that. I don't think I got any prize money from it. And I remember Andrew Starkovich just got caught before the end by Victor Del Coro. He did. They, them two both went under eight hours. And back then, not many people went under eight hours. I think he was the first American to go under eight hours. And it was that race. And, um, they were like 20 minutes ahead of me. And I was like, God, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, you know, would you, will I ever be as uh, quick as them? You know, those guys, they're absolutely killing it. And you kind of think to yourself, how am I ever going to get that 25 minutes? You know, like where do I improve that on? Because it's, it's a massive amount, isn't it? You know? And, um, then I went back there 2019, six years later, the course was pretty much the same. Like the bike course might have had a few little tweaks, but it was for the majority of it, it was pretty much the same. Um, the run course was exactly the same, I think. And I ended up doing the race in seven hours, 46. And I ended up going 35, 33 minutes quicker than what I did back in 2013. Won the race, got the course record. And it was amazing for me to go back there in 2019, six years after, win the race. Starkey was in it as well get a fast bike time, like close to four hours. I think I did 4.04 on that and then run 2.39 off the bike. But that was a massive breakthrough for me. And the first time I really thought, wow, like look how far I've come, you know, because back in 2013, if you'd have told me six years later, you'll end up going 33 minutes quicker, I would have been like, no way, I'll I'll never do that. And isn't it the fastest uh, bike run time within an Ironman ever? It was. I don't know if it still is because of Challenge Almere this year. They did some. I think they did some fast bike run time. So I'm not sure if it still is, but it was at the time. I, it might still be. I, I don't really. I'm not Crazy. sure. I'm not 100 percent sure. But that was. So it um, sense, doesn't matter where you are right now. In six years, you can't find yourself. That's the thing, though. If you look, if you look ahead and you think you want to get there, you'll think it's never possible. But bit by bit, you'll be surprised how much you can go. And then when you to look be honest, back. Sometimes I think about this story because you've told me, obviously, like uh, back then, um, because right now I'm finding myself like 30 minutes behind the leader um, and definitely not really competitive right now. But I'm thinking like, all right, so in six years, I'll just need to keep grinding, keep digging in, train every day and maybe hopefully one day I'll get there. Exactly. Like I think I ran 250 something back then. I went back there six years later and ran 239 on the same course. And you wouldn't think that you could go from 250 something to 239, but it is possible. It's just consistency. I've got kind of the same story with the local 5K Winnipeg run. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, go on in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just kidding. Uh, All right, got let's my go. Up then. 
<laughs> I ran six years later, 30 seconds faster. Same course. Oh, right, let's go of course. On. It was 100 meters shorter, but I ran 30 <laughs> seconds quicker. Let's go back to the Ironman Florida start list with the pro females. We've got Heather Jackson, Imogen Simmons, Hannah Wells, all the way from New Zealand, Jocelyn McCauley, uh, Michelle Vesterby, uh, Vesterby, Carrie Lester, um, quite some big names. Who are you going to put your money on? If you were to well, pick your money on one person, you can't pick the podium. You've just got to pick one person for the win. Who is it going to be? I'm going to pick Imogen Simmons. Yeah, that's I what guess. I reckon. I reckon Imogen Simmons but has got this. An underdog is an underdog is comes from the Netherlands. Sarissa de Vries. She won Challenge Almere World Championship in September in eight hours and I think 32 minutes. She won. Challenge Gdansk half, Challenge Regiona half, and got second in uh, uh, Gran Canaria this year half. So she's obviously having a really good season, and I'm not really uh, sure if she's internationally like known or not, but she, I think she's definitely an underdog going for a, uh, a great time. But I think Imogen for the win, and, um, well, let's see how the rest unfolds. I think it's going to turn into a bit of a running race in that females race. I think a few of them will get off the bike pretty close. You don't normally mm-hmm. get fields that big in the females. And I think with quite a few girls that are on a similar level, and I think it will come down to pretty much who's who's the fastest on the run. Like mm-hmm. I can see a few of them, like Jocelyn McCauley, Imogen Simmons, Hannah Wells getting off the bike, that um, Sarissa DeVisi, you said, she'd be up there with them. I think there's going to be a load of them um, like quite close, which sometimes you don't always get with the, uh, the women's. Um, the men's field, smaller, but it's got some hitters in it. It's got some big hitters. It's, it's a shame uh, Jan, though. It's a shame Jan's not doing it. Like I want to see Jan. It's a shame. Yeah, he had a really uh, he had a big race. The uh, the Skrill this weekend. His own race. Um, maybe <laughs> we'll come uh, back to that later. We've got <laughs> Tom's got a funny story what he found from that. <laughs> Bear with um, us. Uh, anyway, uh, the Mansfield. So we've got about twenty dudes on the list, starting with Gustav Eden. Um, like we said in our pre- preview for California, I'm definitely curious how he's going to go. We've got the YouTube battle going again with Lionel Sanders versus the big Mets. We're missing out on Scott Bayfield for the YouTube battle, but this is definitely going to be exciting. Yeah, Scott, we're not happy about you not doing this. We want to see the YouTube vids. I mean, what are you playing at, mate? Like That's what it's all about nowadays. It doesn't matter how quick you go, what your performances are like. It's all about what the content's like you upload. <laughs> and we've got good old Cam Worth. Um, so it's a really fast bike course. So I don't think he's going to come off with a too much of a. Uh, I I tell you how I can see this race pan out. Do you want to know what well, I reckon? You can you can slate me if it's completely different different on this after watching it. But the, I see Justin Metzler, Gustav Eden coming out of the front. Maybe a little gap. Maybe some of the others, a couple of others going with him. But those two definitely towards the front. I think Lionel comes out with Cam Worth. Um, Arnold Gillow will come out at the front. Then I think Camworth will break away. He'll catch up to Gustav Eden, Arnold Gillow. Arnold will definitely try and go with him. He's a pretty strong cyclist. Um, I think Gustav will probably try and go with Camworth. Not sure if they will. And I think Lionel may get dropped by, by Cam because Cam will hit it hard. But Lionel needs to go for it. He needs to redline it, at least at the start, to stay with Cam if he wants to win it. Lionel's only chance, in my opinion, of winning this race is to stay with Cam at least until he gets to Gustav Eden and Arnold Gillow. If he doesn't ca- if he doesn't start the run with with Eden, he doesn't he doesn't beat him. That's how I think. And that's his ticket to Your it. money is on? My money I think I'm gonna go it's Cam Worth. Really? I just yeah, I just think 
he'll put time into them on the bike. Um, and I don't know, Gustav's untested over the Ironman. He True. might, I, I don't but know I'm how gonna he'll go, run. I'm going to go for Gustav because I think he's naturally, naturally good at a full, dis, uh, full distance. So what he does in a half is so good that I think he can translate it to the full as well. And a flat course is hard he, though. There's no let up, mate, on that course on the bike. Like I did when I did it in 2019, I redlined it too much at the start. True. And in the last 60Ks, I lost quite a lot of time because I'd overcooked it. And it's not mm -hmm. like a hilly course where you can push it up a hill, you can tuck in on the on the descents and get some, you know, some respite. On that course, especially if it's a headwind towards the last the last I was lucky because it was a tailwind coming back into town. But it's a literally a 30, 40k straight road back to town. If that's a headwind and you've overcooked it, there is no let up. People blow up on that course on that last bit because you just there's no hills to go up and then to recover on the downhill. It's literally just straight in. And I don't know. I mean, it could Gustav could win it by mile because but he's untested. And I think Cam is gonna go for is gonna be strong on the bike. And I think he might run well. But I I don't know. Lionel, if he Lionel can stay with Cam, then he's definitely gonna win it. If Lionel's within three minutes off the bike, but it all depends on whether or not Lionel's prepared to redline it and go above what he wants to to stay in contention. He has to do that. He's very good at riding a turbo kind of power. You know, he can ride 300 watts all day. But can he ride 340, 350 watts for the first hour to get himself with the guys that he needs to be and then play at a tactical? It's going to be a tactical race. It's not going to be, you know, a race where you can just sit back and ride at steady watts. You know, it's going to mm -hmm. be some ups and downs and you've got to be strong the last hour. Are you, by the way, in the kitchen or something? No. <laughs> I thought that was uh, where you are. No, uh, I think Laura is like busy. Uh... Oh, yeah. You can hear that in the background. Yeah, pretty good. Let's go over to the main subject of the week, mate. What have we learned this year that we're going to change for next year in order to find them extra percent for you to become world champion in May? For me to kind of minor, uh, lower that deficit from 30 minutes to hopefully like 15. So my big one this year was when I was in the um, Collins Cup because you could see what all the other athletes were doing. You know, you could see um Jan Fredino, you could see we were there with Gustav Eden, obviously from the European team, and you could see all the top guys and how they kind of prepared for the races. And what loads of them have is they have like training partners that will come out there, like Gustav had his brother, Jan had his training partner out there, and they all have people that help for him. And I think, you know, I haven't had where, a coach. Where was I? Where was I? I oh, you should have been there, mate. I don't know <laughs> why you didn't get the, in the invite for the European team. They robbed right. you. You were yeah. robbed, mate. <laughs> um, but you could see what they were all doing and a lot of them had help with themselves you know and uh Lionel I was talk remember talking to Lionel after the race like we all went for a meal like me Lionel Sam Justin Metzler his uh, partner Jeannie and Laura was there and like a load of others and we were all talking about what we've seen with the others and what we've seen with a lot of the top guys is they all have someone who's not necessarily a coach with them but someone that trains them so I've got like a local guy called Mark if you watch my YouTube channel you'll see him on some of the videos, he comes out on a bike and paces me for some of the run sessions. Like if I go away on training camps, he's going to be there, like uh, similar to what my dad's done before for me in Font Rameau, where he goes to the supermarket, like, you know, we'll get your food and stuff like that. He'll pace you on the bike uh, when you're doing a run session uh, on the bikes. You know, he'll come out in the car, get you like drinks and stuff like that and food, basically like a swanier for a cycle team. And mm -hmm. for me, that's going to be a big one for me is because it's going to be how he's done it so far for this winter for the training. And it's really made a big difference because I struggle to find like training partners here in Norwich. I mean, it's not like a training center like Loughborough or Leeds, which some of the people train at. And um, that's been a massive help for me because he's he's on the track sessions. 
he's been like pacing me around on the um on the bike and he just gets the pace and bang on and it just pushes you and like just makes the session so much easier to hit the paces and then obviously when I go on training camps and he's able to do all the other stuff and just kind of take care of all the admin it's going to be a massive um a massive advantage for me and that's one of the big things that I'm going to be doing this winter to try and get the extra boost if you know um to mm-hmm. uh, compete in May at the world championships because I want to give that my all and so I think that's my best chance uh, for for a lot of years because uh, the temperature suits me is that only one the one thing that you've learned this year that you want to do different or are there any other uh, things um going to get a nutritionist um like I'm going to speak to British triathlon see if there's anyone who they recommend um to to look at your nutrition see I mean there's uh, to be honest I've always like looked at a lot of things and there's always been other stuff what I've been doing um I mean I I take CBD stuff regularly now um which I think is great for getting the one that's the one that's one of the things that I'd say is a one percenter um because you know you can do it's not something that's going to suddenly make you feel incredible just because you know from when you haven't done it to when you have done it there's something that can give you the one percenters you know you do 10 things like that and all of a sudden it's like holy shit like why wasn't I doing this years ago you know helps Mm -hmm. you sleep helps you recover from stuff so there's there's you there's doing stuff like that there's taking the kefir you know for your uh, guts to just so many different things but I've been learning I've been doing this for so many years now that I'm always picking up little things um what about what about yourself well of course um we don't want to change all the things the upcoming year because otherwise we don't have anything to change the year after (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to use everything shoot all your bullets at once exactly now one of the main things obviously for me is going to be the swim in the hague there wasn't a proper swim club for me i've always been swimming on my own twice a week just basically if you look at my strava over the last three years four years of a minute travel on the first two years i only swam two k's a week maybe three k's a week but to but be fair two- mate you are a mammal you're a mammal and mammals don't go in water you don't see a cat go in water do you so there's no exactly. shame in that there's no shame you know you wouldn't there is put no a cat shame. in water you'd be taught you'd be told you but- were cruel and it was animal cruelty and that's what it's like. I feel like when I take you to the pool on training camps, I feel like I'm being cruel. Like I've changed. I should just say to Tom, Tom, don't worry about the swim. Just meet me for the bike ride. You know, like <laughs> I, I feel like I should be, I should be like that. You know, treat the mammal with a bit of respect. I know, but I'm, I've changed, mate. Now, one of the things is, an amphibian is um, now. I'm a fish. An amphibian, um, aren't you? Uh, swimming with the kids i'm swimming uh five times a week right now i want to get it up to six times a week so basically i'm changing it for like four to five k swimming a week to like 20 to 25 k's a week and they them coaches they're uh, uh like they've coached olympians and all that so the the level is really decent and i'm I, i'm 100 sure that that's going to help me maybe not next next year but it's definitely going to help me the year after um have they got a record for um like uh, on their books have they got any have they managed to like polish any turds before you know and turn oh, them into definitely. gold or anything like exactly. that exactly like- well i must i must say well the coach said himself <laughs> wow you are really a raw 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 kind of diamond it needs uh it needed it needs loads of work <laughs> That's actually uh, pretty handy. Like they've given me uh, loads of great tips. I've already been improving, but open water is different. But I definitely think this is going to be uh, make one change. Another thing I'm going to change for next year is aero testing. And I don't want to go too much in depth about this because I think we could do a separate podcast about this, about the gear, what age groupers should buy versus shouldn't, 
um, or when, when they have to make a decision. Uh, but that one thing I want to do is aero testing. So going to a wind tunnel, I want to do some laps around track and uh, measure, change that position. Like I haven't been doing that over the last two years. It was, it was always a bit like, how does it look? Does it look great for the gram or not? Um, so that's one thing. And the last thing is no more bullshit. So what I mean to say with that is, this year I've been doing so many bullshitty things. For example, um, first we went to Dubai and then we, because the full distance wasn't going ahead, we went to like Texas for a half, then Florida for a half. And then two, two, uh, three weeks after that, I did a full in Spain. And then I went to to um, uh, Africa for a mountain bike race uh, where I was like off swimming for a month uh, in the middle of peak season, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. It just... I wouldn't say ruined my year. Then I had a crash. I couldn't swim for another four weeks. But it's just what I want to do next year is solely focus on one race and fully go for it and then focus on the next one and not doing like mountain bike kind of stuff. So a bit or, like Jan Frodeno, you want to pick your races that you smash no, basically I'm, then. I'm definitely going to race more than that because I absolutely <laughs> love racing and I do not get enough adrenaline from racing the 12-year-old kids in my pool. Um, no, I definitely want to race more than that, but um, uh, it's more like really focusing. So I wouldn't go to the US for a training camp for three weeks and then do a race in Slovakia, if you know what I mean. Yeah, now we've got some big plans with training camps, haven't we? Like some in time been speaking really and we're looking to go go away at the end of November and then uh, going away in January and February, aren't we, for like some warm weather training. So um uh, some big plans in the in the pipeline. We've got some big plan, uh, big plans, and we're definitely going to throw all that content towards you and everything we're learning. We're just going to share it on the podcast for free, aren't we? We are, yeah. We should be charging fifteen dollars, really, because that seems like it's the going rate. <laughs> <laughs> we're just way too keen. Yeah. Um, well, that's um, I think. All them, all them things, consistency in combination with uh, the small changes. So in combination, for example, nutrition. Obviously, when I went on training camps with you, I've learned like loads uh, because I'm still living sometimes. I wouldn't say like a pig. I'm living quite healthy. But there are so many things like what you can still change. But you don't want to change everything from one, one day to, to another. It needs like slowly grow into it because otherwise it's not really sustainable, is it? Well, it depends if you can change it all, like, you know, and go for a healthier like diet and the one that's like focused on your sport and you can, and you like the food. The thing is, it's about, you need to speak to someone who's like a decent nutritionist and it gets you food, the kind of food that you like, that's easy to prepare. And if it's, if it's like that, then you could just literally change straight away. And you, True. Uh, uh, nutrition is, nutrition is different. But for example, when you uh, get into triathlon, you've been in the sport for two years, you're not going to swim all of a sudden five times a week oh, because no, you no, simply you can't, can't get the volume in. I mean, the um, problem I had with my swimming was when I tried to up it before was I would just really struggle with back to back days with swimming. Exactly. Like sometimes on the second day I would feel smashed. And certainly if I was on the third day in a row, I would just have so many inconsistent bad days where I just literally couldn't swim on the third day. You know, my arms would feel like lead. My technique felt awful and I'd, I'd just get crap quality in. But I've, what I've really done was helped me is doing like upper body weights and like strength like that. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it's because I've finally got to the point where I've got a few more years of background exactly. uh, there that I can actually do it. And it was a um, a former pro cyclist um, in the preseason this year that said to me, like, wow, you've only been in the sport for four years, but don't you have, like, massive off days then? And I was like, what, what, what's he talking about? Because 
if I'm training, for example, a three-week Who was block, that then? What pro cyclist was that? Martin Ducrot. Oh, never heard of him. Is he, yeah, he's, just, I think, uh, towards the 55, 60, oh, maybe. Oh, right, right. So yeah, he's yeah, not like, he's pretty, he's nah. like 30 or something. Nah, and um, that's actually what I still have. Like, I'm getting... And I'm he, getting what did he like, say? Like, I think I've got something that will sort out your off days. We used to use it in the tour. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me. I know exactly <laughs> what you need, son. <laughs> Lance, and, uh, I, bet, I bet him and Lance have got some good old stories that will help yeah, you. Yeah, they've got quicker. some really great tricks that help yeah. you uh, get through the, the tough days. <laughs> if you see Tom no, smashing it next year, you know why. <laughs> it's um, it's just, I mean, if you're an age grouper and you're working full time, it takes so much energy. So sometimes you just have a massive off day, and then they'll be like, they tell me like, I have such an off day. I don't know where it's coming from because I haven't been training so hard. It is because work just stresses the body so much and the same is with like i've been up in the volume over the last two years and right now i've been training consistent like three weeks if i would do three weeks 25 to 30 hours then towards the end or somewhere in the middle i could just have a massive off day like i I could struggle riding at 180 watts like really struggle and everything would just hurt and then the next day i'll be flying again it's just this massive difference in in off and on days but it's getting towards the point where i'm uh, I don't see the massive of days that much anymore. So um, what's the bullshit buster then? Let's go over to the bullshit buster. <laughs> um, that's indeed the, mess, uh, the next subject. Well, we all hear, hear these triathletes that once in a while you need to like cleanse the body and um, detox a little bit. And my question was, Joe, when was the last time that you've done a proper detox? Or what do you think of a well, detox? You were saying about a detox at the end of the season, weren't you? That was the thing what you saw because people were selling it for like loads of money, weren't they? 300 <laughs> or $400 or something like that for a detox Crazy. at the end of the year. And I said to him, why on earth would you want a detox at the end of the year when you finished your season? Like my detox at the end of the year is an anti-detox. I'm on the beers, I'm on the burgers, you know, I'm enjoying the good life, you know, I'm probably getting a bit fat, I'm fit, you know. That's my <laughs> detox. I think like the detoxing no. where you're eating healthy and clean, surely that's for when you're training hard, isn't it? Like, you know, at the end of the year, you're kind of letting your hair it's, down a bit, aren't you? Hitting the um, dance floor after a few drinks. Like, there's nothing wrong every, with that. Exactly. Like, you don't need to convince me about getting some drinks, mate. Because every time somebody's like, oh, I need I need a detox. The body needs a little bit of flush away all the toxins. I'm like, where are they getting this bullshit from? I read it in an article last week on the science-based medicine. It was written by Scott Guevara. And he said about detox, it's a medical turn. But this sounds term. like it's a bit scientific, this does. This is getting scientific. Listen for a bit. Um, so the term is hijacked by health marketeers to scare people into buying the products. Well, I was like, well, that sounds pretty obvious to me. Detox is a legitimate, uh, legitimate term, medical term, that has been co-opted to sell useless products and services. It's a fake treatment for a fake condition. Real detox- detoxification isn't ordered from a menu at a juice bar or assembled from supplies in your pantry. Real detoxification is provided by in hospitals under life-threatening circumstances. Usually, when there are danger levels of drugs, alcohol, or other poisons in the body, drugs used for real detoxifications are not ingredients in a smoothie. Forget the detox. Basically, forget the detox. And what you want to do is, if you really want to know what the good stuff's like, get in contact with Will Clark, Riot Racing, and he'll take you out on a great night out. He's a very bad influence, but you'll love it. (laughs) Like He took me out for Ironman UK. I can't remember what it was. I was training for that. I remember it was probably about four or five weeks before. he, He sent me a message and he said, you know, four or five weeks before the race, but that week, the week before... 
uh, he was coming down. He said, oh, Joe, I'm, I'm coming down to my parents like this week. I thought, he said, do you want to meet up? I thought, yeah, yeah, all right then. I thought we're going to end up, come round, you can stay round if you want on Saturday night. We'll go out, have a couple of drinks. Thinking it was going to be a couple of drinks. Probably had a couple of drinks. I can't remember if I had a couple of drinks here. We ended up going out for some food to this place called the Belgian Monks. They're all like 9, 10, 11% Belgian beers. Had about four or five beers there. Then went out for some cocktails uh, to a couple of places. I got back about one o'clock, had one last drink here, ended up going to bed. And for him, he's retired now, so happy days. He woke up. It was sunny the next day. I woke up and I thought, oh, God, I've got to do 100 miles on the bike and a run. It was, but it was nice weather, so I thought, no problem, right? I'll put my put my night nice thin DHB top on, super thin one for the hot days. Unfortunately, fifty miles trying, in, trying to promote all your sponsors. So what's happening? <laughs> I know it was really thin. That one's really thin DHB one though. You should see it. Like it's like literally like the proper summer one for like twenty five thirty degrees. But it was really warm when I left. Blue skies. I got fifty miles in, and. Um, it started pissing it down. It got to 16 degrees Celsius. I was fucking freezing. I had to stop at a cafe and I was so cold. I thought, oh, what am I going to do? I ended up getting a, I asked them for a bin bag so I could put a bin bag on underneath my top. So I literally riding home the bin bag. I took the wrong turn. So I ended up doing a bit longer. I got back after about 110 miles. I was frozen. I'd been out and had God knows how many drinks and stuff. And then I had to go back out for a run. I well, thought, Jesus, like, this, this is this not actually, what I want to This sounds like a fairy tale story to the one we've been through in Dubai earlier this year. I don't know if you remember, but we went out drinking, like, one night. We we were like, all right, we only live once. No, we were training really and, hard. We wouldn't. Yeah, we were, tra- <laughs> we were training really hard. <laughs> we weren't doing now, anything like that during COVID. One, one day, we just wanna go, wanted to go to a club. We had some cocktails. It was pretty late. And then the next day, we had oh, to train pretty hard. Oh, that was when we went hard. to that ride in the mountains. I remember no, that. Was it the ride in the mountains? It was because that really I early start. It was that it? fucking ride in the in the desert where that Sharia came up. Oh, was it then? Yeah, that sandstorm. So we were riding then in the sandstorm. I had a massive headache. You didn't. You we forgot were, your sunglasses, didn't you? He I forgot, forgot my sunglasses, sunglasses in a sandstorm. And we sat to the group because they're starting at crazy times, like four a.m. And we were like, "We don't. We're not going to start at four a.m. We're going to ride in forty-five degrees, just through the Sharia." And that was the most terrible day I think uh, maybe this year. You said you're never coming back to Dubai again. That put him off I'm Dubai. Still so I'm fi- never coming back. I hate this desert. Like that's what he was saying. <laughs> I'm still finding sand behind my eyeball. Sometimes I found sand, <laughs> and I'm not even lying, guys. I found found sand a good week after. Like it was just appearing in my eyebrows and in my like the corner of my eyes here. You know, it was horrendous. Um, but. And yeah, that was the bullshit buster anyway. I've gone a bit yeah, off topic Yeah, I think, now. well, I think um, the bottom line of the bullshit buster is if your liver and kidneys are working, then the detox, you don't need any detox. And if a and detox contains beer and like burgers, then go ahead. That's a great detox. Keep that's an good. awesome detox. That's the detox like, we want to hear. Yeah, you need more than a week of that. Um, and if you truly have toxins that needs that, that need to remove from the body, you need more than a fucking tea, don't you? So... If you see any product advertised with the words detox, they're really good at cleansing something that's called your wallet. I think yeah, that's, that's the, the That's line. anything they'll empty, yeah. yeah. Instagram <laughs> post of the week. I'm loving this one. Tom found, somehow Tom finds all these Instagram posts. Like he's like on it, like you wouldn't believe. I dread to think how many hours he spends trolling Instagram. But if you're if there's something out there to do a trifle on and it makes someone look bad, Tom will find it and he will expose you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to expose everyone. And this time he's starting off with the goat. 
<laughs> well, sometimes you need to be a bit creative, right? It's not just about girls and thongs. It's about triathlon and the bottom line. Anyway, this week I was just looking at the gram, casually uh, looking at some stories. And all of a sudden I saw a the goat, the Jan Frodeno, the biggest triathlete maybe in history. I'm not talking only about his length because he's fucking huge, almost two meters, but also like he's just the goat. Anyway, last weekend he was organizing his gravel race and I saw this video. He, he reposted this video where he was trying to pick up his bit number. I'm surprised he posted this video as well, guys. Like this video like was what they post on the S Grail thing. And he shared we're it on his Instagram. We're going to repost it. Yeah, he reposted it. It's like, I'm surprised he... Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't just tell him, look, take that down, take it down. It look, it makes me look a bit bad, you know, guys. But no, he shared it up for everyone to see. So uh. <laughs> He shared it himself, and we're going to reshare it on Triathlon Mockery. So um, you, if you guys missed it, you're able to see it as well. Well, now let's get over to the juicy details. He was probably – he was showing up – and it probably already started off with like um, him wanted to pick up his bit number. But because- let's just say about this girl, she was like a young, she was probably in a, you couldn't see her, but from the sounds of it, she was probably in her 20s, 30s. And she was probably into yoga and not triathlon. So she had yoga or volleyball. She yeah, was a yoga volunteer. Volleyball. No idea who Jan Fredino was. Like he's just some triathlete to her, you know, like you're not on the list. Clear off. Anyway, no, Tom. She was she was handing out the bit numbers and then Jan Fredino showed up. And meanwhile in the meanwhile, he was getting interviewed by his own uh, Skrill um Instagram. And they asked him, oh, Are you gonna pick up your race number? And then Jan said, Well, hopefully, because I don't even get recognized at my own race. And this is probably the first time because everybody in triathlon would recognize Jan Fredino, but outside triathlon well, I'm not. And really... not even at the race that he organizes, they didn't even know. She was like, "Go and get, <laughs> go and check the list over there. You're not on this one." And he's like, "No, I'm going to check this list." Uh, and then he took the list. He looked on there. My wife's on there. How come I'm not on there? She's like, "I don't know." Like you have basically, have you entered? <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> I just find it really guy, funny. I the mean... guy who's filming was like, "Oh, they don't even. You're not even on the list." And he, they don't even recognize me in my own race. <laughs> can can no, you imagine, sorry, indeed, like, for the, for the love of the sport, he's doing so much for the sport. You're organizing your own race, and then you've got a volleyball volunteer. She's standing there just for her own fun, and then she's like, yeah, of course, everybody's trying to black their own way in, into a free entry. The moral and of this then, story is, though, if you even if you organize a race, you still need to bloody enter the damn thing. Otherwise, yeah. you won't get in. <laughs> it's also for insurance purposes. You just need to be on the list. But this reminded me of, when I was younger and I was like 18, you know, and you were going out with some of your mates and some of your mates are 17, you kind of get to the club and uh, the bouncers uh, say, well, back when I used to go out, I don't know how strict they are now, but they used to say, all right, ID lads. And uh, some of you were 18, you'd go in. There'd always be one. He's 17 years old. Do you not know who I am? Do you know who I am? <laughs> no, sorry, we don't. You're going to need ID or you ain't getting in this club, you know, and that was what it reminded me of like that, you know. He didn't have his ID. He was not getting in. That was it. Game over. And can you imagine that that kid of 17 years old was even organizing a party? It's like the king is organizing his birthday party and then one of the guards at the gates will be like, "Who? who? at first he'll be like, who are you? I'm organizing the party. <laughs> sorry, dude, you're not on the list. <laughs> So it's a different one. It wasn't a one in a thong, um, 
but I find it quite funny. It was funny when you watched it, weren't it? Because it was just like the fact that he was getting slightly vexed that uh, yeah. he wasn't on the list. And uh, it's more like the body language and the way it was said rather than what he actually said. It you was, could just tell he was getting slightly irritated that he wasn't on there. And it was, it was quite an funny unexpected game. And I think normally he'd have people for him to uh, to pick the thing up or he'd be number one on the list. Number normally one, he'd be yeah. under one. And now he was looking all the way down to 116. He was still not on the list. So that must obviously bring some uh, irritation. On I another note, down. that race did look bloody cool. Did you see it? Like yeah, I it was saw some of the awesome. pictures and stuff. Like I thought that looks really fun. I'd love to do that. And they're pretty. Yeah. The, the, at the aid stations, they had bloody donuts and everything. Free beer at the finish. Food, I know. coffee at his calf. Like, I know. I mean, let's get Jan to organise the food at the other Ironman events. It sounds fantastic. Like sounds way it better than the grub you normally get. To be honest, I um, I love gravel riding. Uh, I did it in Kenya four days in the middle of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Tom didn't so, want to come on an altitude camp with me because he had nightmares from this altitude camp because basically when he did this gravel race, it was at like two and a half thousand meters above sea level in Kenya and he got out there and literally smashed it for seven or eight days. How many days in a row was it? It was a stage race, wasn't it? Yeah, four days. Four, four days, days basically. Yeah. But he smashed it every day for like five hours on gravel roads. Five uh, was was like the short stage. The longest one was eight hours or something. Eight hours. And so he wondered why he thought that altitude made him feel bad because that's just the effect it had on him. Nothing to do with the fact he went straight to two and a half thousand meters and then killed himself for five days when they normally say, like, <laughs> go easy for the first three or four days at least. Um, so he's got well, nightmares and he, he ditched me. He wouldn't come. He ended up going on his own camp in Austria, didn't you? Bottom line is uh, we got to make sure that maybe next year uh, we're doing an off-season race and we're going to make sure that we are on that list. I want to be at the Scrail. Yeah, I want to do that. All right, I think... Uh, that's a great closure of the week. Jan Frodeno, um, if you're sharing stuff like that on your gram, make sure to share our podcast as well. And Jan Frodeno, feel free to share our podcast, you know. We yeah, could do with going out to 400,000 followers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boost the views. Anyway, cheers. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we we'll are hope to see you next week. And uh, feel free to share the podcast.